Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. Yeah, it's called conversations with Jeff, not screaming matches. Yeah, I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What do you all your destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on? When you should be out there winning people for Jesus. The job you're doing, thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues that are vital to the church. I feel sorry for coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Uh, my voice is starting to get a little shot today because this is like my fourth podcast I'm doing today, but I, I'm, I, I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Pastor Sam Jones. But before I introduce him, I want to let you guys know, if you guys want to support what we're doing here at the Gatekeepers, check out our Plugged In membership. Uh, if, you go, if you guys go over to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in, you can check that out. That's one way you guys can support what we're doing. Uh, the, you know, By becoming a member, you'll get access to our Destroy Social Justice Conference, as well as our weekly devotional. You get 30% off of everything in the GK store, as well as... Uh, you'll get access to my live stream every single week of the Gatekeepers podcast. So you get some some extra cool perks, things like that. But it's one way you guys can support uh, what we're doing here. Um, and then you get you get just a bunch of cool benefits there. So if you guys want to check that out, go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. And you guys can get all the information there. So really excited to be bringing back uh, my good friend, Pastor Sam Jones. Uh, Sam, welcome back to Conversations with Jeff. I feel like every time we have you on, it's a competition between you and Dustin Faulkner about about who is the all-time conversations champion. So I, I don't know. We're going to have to maybe tally this up after the show. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're going to have to see. It's it's pretty close. He's been on a, a few times. I, I don't know how many times I've been on. Probably uh, five or six, it feels like, at least. Maybe a few more than that. But uh, great to be on uh, again. Always love coming on. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, d- definitely. And, you know, and, and you know, y- you you wrote this, this, this little book that's coming out here pretty soon. Uh, called Five Steps to Kill a Nation and How to Stop the Bleeding, which, you know, a- as I'm going through and, you know, dealing with editing and, and layout, which we're, pr- we're practically done with all that. I mean, it's, it's a pretty epic book and very, and very telling with, with where we are today, uh, as a, as a country. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord that it's, uh, I, I think it went well and, and things like that. Hopefully people, uh, enjoy reading it too. Um, and, and just so you know, like these five steps, it's not coronavirus. It's not, uh, election fraud. It's not the vaccine. Uh, those are those are uh, really symptoms of truly what's underlying and actually destroying our nation. 
Yeah. So, so, so what, what made you feel like, okay, it's, t- it's time for me not only just to write any book, but this book specifically, because I feel like this book, it, it's almost like you could look into the future and see, okay, this is what's happening in our, in our country. Here's, here's how we got here. I mean, did anybody predict any of this? I mean, do you have the gift of prophecy here? No, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that's, that's quite it, but um, yeah, lo- looking at it, uh, it was one of those things where God just really put on my heart of looking over our nation and asking, you know, what is the real issues with our nation? And God's word gives the answer. Uh, his word always has the answer. And looking at it, the, the big thing was, was we're abandoning his law, specifically the moral law or the Ten Commandments. And that's what's what's really destroying our nation. When we go and we look at that, are, are these Ten Commandments. So, of course, our nation, it was founded uh, on Christian principles. Uh, Western civilization is founded on Christian principles, specifically this moral law of God. And as we've abandoned these things, it's really just destroyed our nation. And you can see that, but it's because God is a God of reality. And so his laws and his uh, standards and, and things like that, what he tells us, uh, it's connected with reality. And so when we go against him, we're actually going against reality. And so that's uh, that's really been the problem with our nation. And we can see a lot of these things, um, you know, through e- even like uh, the stimulus packages and stuff that they're talking about in, in times past. Let's just print off fake money. Let's uh, let's just go and um, do all this other kind of stuff, you know. Uh, COVID and, and things like that. Let's deny the, the, the rights of the people um, and just destroy our nation that way. But it all comes back to specific principles found in God's word. Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. Stop the hacks. Stop the attacks. Stop the attacks and start taking your IT career to the next level. The Masters in Cybersecurity from Stevenson University Online can keep you one step ahead of the criminals and one step ahead of career advancement. Complete your online degree in as little as 18 months with convenient and affordable classes. Stevenson University Online, your partner for professional success. Visit stevenson.edu slash cyberwar. Yeah, and I, and I think that, that that's really kind of the important thing that that we have to remember, especially because it seems like we're having a lot of evangelical leaders right now come out, and they're they're going they're go they're it's like they're fully embracing the five steps that you're laying out, and those five steps are not the good steps you should be taking; they're the bad steps. But you've got right. like Beth Moore and Tim Keller and the mm-hmm. suspects. They're going full on like anti Bible, anti God. I I don't get it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's crazy to think about this, that this would come within the church, but it all comes back to that first step, which is uh, to forget God. And when people forget God, uh, and by, by forgetting God, I'm not just talking about some abstract idea of God, okay? We're talking about actually forgetting the God of the Bible as defined by the Bible. And that's what we're seeing people like uh, Tim Keller and Beth Moore and uh, uh, Russell Moore and all of these people going in, in are really doing through social justice and in uh, other leftism that's coming into the church or has been in the church and is now just making itself known. Uh, they really have forgotten who the God of the Bible is, and they're actually uh, presenting another Jesus, a different Jesus in many ways. 
And that's that's a major issue, but that's really where it starts. Uh, and we see that as a nation, um, we have forgotten God uh, from once where we once were uh, in America. Yeah, well, you know, and and also too, it it seems like you know, obviously, if we look at the Democrat Party, they're they're very they're it's a very atheistic ideology, and I don't I don't mm-hmm. think anybody could actually say the Democrat Party is rooted in biblical truth, although. We've talked to some people who actually say that. I, I still don't understand their logic there. But 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 the interesting thing for me is that we're also seeing this kind of ideology creeping into the Republican Party too, where, where we're mm-hmm. seeing, we're seeing you know like supposed morality, but it's not actually rooted in God's word. It's not rooted in biblical morality. It's just like abstract. This is what we think is right and wrong and things like that. Like is is there a serious danger here even within the Republican Party on not basing everything on God's word? Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's very dangerous, especially when we consider um, that we're in Western civilization. But one of the big truths, of course, in God's word is that righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. And that really does uh, mean any people. And so as we uh, go away from righteousness and we start embracing wickedness and sin, uh, it really does cause a, an incredible problem. And I mean, whether that's that idea of embracing, um, you know, homosexuality or whether it's uh, embracing even uh, one of the things that I outline in the book is is premarital sex and uh, the destruction of the family and that destruction of commitment that we see and uh, really how uh, marriage has dissolved uh, within our nation. And without that commitment, it really makes it hard to pass down morality uh, to the next generation, almost impossible to do that. And then the state comes in and starts passing down morality. And we know that uh, the state doesn't do that right. And they're not uh, passing down the right principles um, that they should be. And then you don't have people who are rightly self-governed. And the problem is, is if you don't have right self-governance, well, then they become dependent upon society. They become dependent upon society. The problem is, is then we have socialism. And there's no private property, no incentive to go into work and all these things. And it just comes crumbling down as not being sustainable and it all comes down to that foundation of, of God's word. And so there is a danger, whether it's from uh, the Democrats or whether it's from the Republicans, uh, when there is a morality that's being based that's not on God's word or reflective of God's word, uh, it does come crashing down and it does uh, hurt our nation. Um, now, that's I don't say that at all to justify Democrats. Some people would take shots at Republicans in order to justify Democrats. I, I never justify Democrats. That's that's the thing. I believe that that is a, a godless uh, uh, party. I, I I don't believe that you can actually be consistently uh, a Democrat and consistently a Christian at the same time. Those two things just don't coexist. Uh, and so I, I, I'm not saying it to uh, justify Democrats. I'm saying this because um, we need to make sure that the Republican Party uh, doesn't become or continue to be just the Democrat light party. Yeah, well, and that, and that, and that's also kind of one, one, one of the, one of the areas where I think guys like, um, and, and I know you and I, you and I both have talked, like, like we, we both listen to Ben Shapiro and hear what he's mm-hmm. talking about. But what, one of my concerns with him is that he'll make, he'll make a lot of the art, his arguments, whether it's pro-life, whether, whether it's against gay marriage or whatever it is, but he refuses to root it in the Bible and even just the Old Testament, mm-hmm. what he believes as an Orthodox Jew. And, and so if we separate out our morality, from you know our faith from the bible from god's word is that dangerous in and of itself yeah so i i think that is dangerous in fact um uh, shapiro's argument is basically he likes to say that he never uh roots anything into god's word because he says that that's an argument of authority which is true 
Um, now, the issue that he runs into, though, when you consider this is he goes and says that, that arguing from position of authority is um, – it's illogical. It's a logical fallacy, uh, which is normally true. But where it's not true is if there actually is a legitimate authority. And the problem is, is that you can't actually have a consistent form of morality if there isn't a moral arbiter. Uh, e- eventually, if you push Ben Shapiro far enough, he either has to succumb to the fact that, in fact, his morality uh, and ethics are rooted in God's word, uh, the Old Testament specifically for him, or he doesn't have a foundation. Uh, and, and I think that uh, that's one thing that is really a major issue when you go and you look at that with somebody like Ben Shapiro who goes and puts this out. And by the way, I'm not here to bash on Shapiro. I, I enjoy listening to Shapiro for the most part uh, and things like that. But I would say that he's wrong in this area to not root his arguments back to the Bible. Now, when you root your arguments back to the Bible, that doesn't mean that you ignore things like science or logic or, or whatnot, because God is a God of reality. He's the creator of the universe. And as a God of reality, uh, what that means is that he makes the we can make the argument of authority there from God's word and then reality follows that authority and it lines up with that. Uh, in, in fact, in chapter three, when I talk about devaluing life, we go and uh, we examine science. We even examine uh, the legal precedent for life and see that really abortion, it's unscientific. It is, in fact, murdering a human being. And so if we're going to say that murder is wrong, we have to say that abortion is wrong. And it even we look at our laws are schizophrenic when you go and you you start to uh, really break down some of the laws that we have and, and some of the things that, that that go and say, you know, if a um, if you injure a, a pregnant woman in the uh, the baby in the womb goes and dies. Well, then you uh, are charged with manslaughter and murder or manslaughter and assault or or second degree murder or something like that, depending on what state it is. Uh, but you can willfully go and murder someone as if the the mother is the moral arbiter or the mother is the one who defines when life begins as opposed to science. Uh, and of course, God ultimately uh, rooted, uh, is the one who defines when life begins. Um, but we go and we look at that. It's, it's the idea that God's authority is rooted in reality because he's the author of reality. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that, that I think is, is really the danger of where society is at right now is that it's, it, there, there is no morality. It's, it's kind of like what we're talking about in the, in the old Testament of everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes and they're mm-hmm. calling good and good evil. And, and, and I think that that's, that's the danger of, of taking some of these political ideologies and extrapolating it out into our theology as well, where there, there is, it, it's, it's almost like a lot of these Christian leaders and evangelical leaders, they're separating out their theological beliefs from their political beliefs, but it's like, but their political beliefs are not rooted in scripture and there's in scripture is not influencing their political. It's, it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, how do you guys not see there's a contradiction here? Right. It, well, in something interesting with that too, to take it to the other side, um, when you don't root your, uh, your, your politics and your theology, uh, and, or make it, we could say the other way, your theology actually playing out in, in real life. The problem is, is they have a, a non-practical theology. And so what does their theology actually mean? Well, the reality of it is, is that I believe your actions prove a part of your doctrinal statement you believe. And so they don't actually believe most of what they're writing down in doctrine. Like guys like Mark Dever, Jonathan Lehman, Tim Keller, uh, those guys, they would go and say, um, abortion's wrong. I have no doubt that they would go and write that and, and say that they believe in pro-life, they believe life at conception, probably, things like that. But then they go and they say, oh, but you can vote Democrat. 
you can vote Democrat. Well, what are they ultimately saying? We don't believe that enough. We don't believe that life starts at conception enough to actually act upon it. And so we're going to go against our actions. And so there is no actual practical aspect of their doctrine. And if your doctrine is not practical, it's not worth teaching, which means it's not worth believing. Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our Healthcare Management Master's. No GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu slash healthcare management. Stop the hacks. Stop the attacks. Stop the attacks and start taking your IT career to the next level. The Masters in Cybersecurity from Stevenson University Online can keep you one step ahead of the criminals and one step ahead of career advancement. Complete your online degree in as little as 18 months with convenient and affordable classes. Stevenson University Online, your partner for professional success. Visit stevenson.edu slash cyberwar. Yeah. Well, and also, too, like a lot of times I think we talk about like these single issue voters, right, which I think as Christians, we, we at the very least should be in the sense of which party we eliminate from from our from our options when it comes to the when it comes to the ballot box. And I think that obviously the Democrat Party is eliminated from from a Christian's um, options when it comes to who they should be voting for. Um, yeah. But I think but I think at the same time, it's not just abortion that makes Democrats bad and evil. It's right. It's not like. Okay, so so they're pro-choice, they're pro-abortion, but they're good on everything else. It's like no, it's like everything bad. Like I can't, th- I cannot think of a single thing where I'm like, you know what? I agree with Joe Biden. I agree with him over over Donald. I I can't sit. Can you can you think of a single thing where it's like the Democrats have this right and Republicans are wrong? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I and it comes down to I I went through the Democrat platform. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I believe the Republicans are right on everything, but I can't find a single thing that I really agree with where it comes uh, down to to Democrats because, I mean, uh, you look at on the issue of life, on the issue of marriage, on the issue of uh, of economy, on the issue of, uh, of immigration, on the issue of um, – uh, I'm trying to think uh, – m- mental health, on the issue of education, um, uh, on the issue of foreign policy. Like I disagree with it all. <laughs> Uh, because they, they come from a totally different worldview is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, and, and even we, even when we start getting into some of these things that really have been creeping into the church, which we wrote about in social injustice as well as church and state. And I know you touched a little bit on it as well in five steps to kill a nation. But I mean, you know, a lot of these ideologies have been creeping into the church as well. And we're mm-hmm. together with like biblical language and things like that to where now we've, we've got supposedly conservative Christian leaders promoting things like racial reparations, promoting things like, like, uh, uh, white privilege and what, and, you know, and the fact that like Trump, Trump supporters and just conservatives in general are white supremacists and like that kind of stuff is being taught from our pulpits, not just 
politics, not just on Twitter, like from our pulpits. That's scary to me. Yeah, I just saw uh, a, a little bit ago that um, the Gospel Coalition put out an article saying that the uh, Trump rally, uh, calling it a Trump cult uh, kind of a thing and just absolutely, you know, going and, and, and killing it and everything like that. And, and, and you know, I'm not a I'm not a big Trump guy. That's that's not uh, that's not my bread and butter by any means. I've been uh, one of the most critical people uh, of uh, President Trump, um, but I'll praise him when he does right. But I also sit up there and I'm going like, like what? What are you talking about here? That this is a, a Trump call? Um, and, and I mean, sure, there there are some people. Uh, you know, you start to get into some of the Trump prophecies and things like that. Uh, there 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 could be uh, some of that that happening, um, but for the most part. That's uh, they're just people who are supporting Donald Trump. And actually, at this point, I think it's a lot of people who are supporting the Republic saying that there was election fraud that happened. And so that's a, a major issue. Uh, but but one thing I wanted to touch on, you, you know, you're talking about um, the racial reparations, all these different things that are coming into uh, the, the pulpits. Well, I, I really think it comes back to uh, situation ethics uh, has become the primary ethic that's being taught. Uh, from our pulpits. And as we teach situation ethics, you can manipulate that into any ideology that you want by simply making the case that it's subjectively more loving, um, or the subjectively most loving thing to do. And I think that's really what we see. Instead of going and seeing an objective ethic that God says, this is right and this is wrong, we have a subjective ethic that goes and says, well, this is somehow most loving because we're getting the desired outcome that I want. And so therefore it's most loving. And that's really what, why we, you know, uh, the church and state here, we have the uh, communist symbol on the church is because uh, we have communism. That's that's Marxism and communism that's come into the church and it's come primarily through this vehicle of situation ethics that you can go and pervert anything and make it sound most loving and get people to follow that and to go, well, that's the loving thing to do. Yeah. And, 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 and again, that, that's the problem when, when you have, when you have a society that, that there, there is no moral framework. There is no, there is no like common truth. There is no common source of truth. And, but, but again, for me, this, the really scary thing is, you know, it's really easy to rag on the Democrats. Like to me, that's like, that's like the low hanging fruit. That's, that's like when, when I criticize like, um, apologists within Christianity and, you know, for going after the, the word of faith and, and extreme charismatics and Benny Hinn and Joel Olstein. I'm like, we've already, we've already debunked them. We've already exposed them. We got to go, right. we got to go over the stuff that's actually deceiving people. And I mm-hmm. feel, feel like dealing with a lot of this kind of stuff within the church. I think we, we gotta, we gotta go after this because the same ideology that's being preached from the pulpits on the Democrat, like national convention and their rallies. It's the same things that are being preached from conservative Christian pastors. And again, the scary thing for me is, do they not have a source of truth? They should, but wh- where, where is their rock? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the key issue there. Where is their rock? Uh, and is the rock immovable, immutable, uh, as Jesus Christ is described, as God is described in the Bible? Um, or is their rock something that is uh, more shifting sand? And it seems like it's it's shifting sand um, because it's it's interesting that these people who have been in pulpits for decades are all of a sudden coming out now and saying, well, you know, it's it's actually loving your neighbor and pro life uh, to vote for people who are, um, you know, promoting illegal immigration. 
Well, Bill Clinton didn't even promote illegal immigration when he was a, a, a president. I mean, this is a completely progressive idea. Uh, it's, you know, it's a ridiculous thing that they're going and pointing out and they're changing the definition of love. They would have never said 20 years ago uh, that it's most loving to ignore our immigration laws. But now that's what they're saying. And why are they saying it? Well, it's because they have a an agenda and what becomes um, their standard is what fits their agenda. And that's what becomes most loving. And that's what we're seeing here is that it's a it's a moving the goalposts uh, to whatever fits what they want to do. Yeah, well, in in, in the, the interesting thing for me too, specifically about that, because because you know I like how you put it, where where they're pushing an agenda, but the question then becomes, and and we we kind of we kind of we dive into it with with church and state a bit, but the question really is, where did this agenda come from? Because a lot of a lot of these guys used to be extremely conservative, conservative like expositional preaching, verse by verse, um, you know voting straight up and down Republican or conservative or third party, whatever it is that are now twisting it. And then it literally sounds like they came from like an AOC rally. Like it, this is a drastic change from these, from these pastors. Like we, how, how did this happen so quickly, so fast? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the easy thing to, to go into say um, is it hasn't happened that, uh, that quickly. Uh, it's just that it, it's that we've seen it and it seems to be that quick. Um, you know, this, this year was exposed that Tim Keller and Mark Dever, uh, are both registered Democrats. Uh, and I'm sure they didn't register as Democrats in 2020. And I'm sure they probably didn't do it in 2016, uh, especially Tim Keller because of the justification that he gave was, well, hey, if we want to have any say about, uh, who's actually on the ballot, you have to be a Democrat in order to vote that way. And, and I mean, that's an outcome driven ethic instead of a principle driven ethic. Uh, and, and that's a major issue. And I mean, I can't even imagine compromising in that way of going and basically saying, uh, you know what, I'm going to associate with baby murderers, sodomites, uh, and uh, people who are for systemic theft and people who uh, literally are saying that all other religions are on equal footing and, uh, and on the same value level as Christianity. I'm going to go associate with them because I want my vote to count. Um, that, I mean, that that's ridiculous. I just sit out there and I go, well... There is a point in time when you either say, I'm just going to take my ball and go home, or you sit out there and you say, I'm going to make a principled stand and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, but they seem like they are much more interested in having a seat at the table. And unfortunately, they've decided to take their table uh, or take uh, pull their chair up to the table of the globalists. That's where they really seem to be going. And, and there is one great globalist in the Bible that's mentioned, and, and that guy's called the Antichrist. So ultimately, uh, that's where they're that's where they're heading. That's where they're going. It's the spirit of the Antichrist that's absolutely gripped them, and uh, they've fallen into um, uh, the the false teachings of, of, of Balaam and of Korah, and, uh, and, and they've completely gone after those things. And uh, what Jude would say is that they're apostates, and that's what we're seeing um, in, in today's church. Yeah, well, and, and that, that's, the, that's the part of this, too, that I think is, that is hard for people to really uh, understand and grasp is— is how far opposed they are to biblical Christianity because like a lot of these guys have influenced our pastors. They've taught at the mm -hmm. pastor conferences. They write the books, they write the commentaries. They're the ones that are, they're leading the seminaries and all this kind of stuff. And so, so then, so then they're like, but they, they would not be ushering in the kingdom of the antichrist. Like, like, they, like it, it, this is my thing. These guys, I guarantee you have read the book of revelation many times, many mm -hmm. times. 
did they miss the part that talked about the one world government and the one world religion and the one world currency and like everything that the Antichrist stands for? Because it seems like they're trying to usher in the kingdom of Christ here on earth with their kingdom now theology, but they're literally pushing the agenda of the Antichrist. It's like, did they, did they miss that part of seminary class? Yeah, well, I, I think they must have fallen asleep, uh, but they're, they're definitely, as you mentioned, Kingdom Now, they're definitely not premillennialists, uh, which is, uh, it, I've got great friends that are postmillennial and uh, some friends that are amillennial, um, but, the, you know, I, I really do see a problem uh, or a great danger when you, when you don't take the Bible literally uh, at face value, uh, especially in looking at, at that. But, it, you know, a, another thing is Satan, I mean, we got to give... You know, we got to give credit where credit is due. Satan is an incredible deceiver, and it tells us at the end of Revelation uh, that at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, that Satan's going to come and deceive as many as the number of the sand of the sea. And this is people who have lived uh, literally uh, seeing Jesus Christ reign, and and Satan's going to come in and deceive these people. So, I mean, let's you know, let's not forget Satan is an incredible deceiver. Uh, you know, lest we fall into any of the sin and in, into any of this deception. But, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at it here, clearly they're not taking a literal approach to the Bible. And, and I think the greatest issue with that is that then instead of going and, and finding out what your doctrine is from Scripture, they're imposing their doctrine upon Scripture. And, and that's the big issue that we're seeing today uh, within this, this liberal movement. And it's funny because they like to go and to throw, uh, throw that accusation out to anybody who's conservative. Uh, and especially anyone who's conservative and involved in politics, they like to say, you're throwing your agenda or your Americanism uh, up upon this. And I mean, just a simple, simple study of history, uh, just the, the laws of the land would see that Americanism came from Christianity. It's not that uh, Americanism produced an American form of Christianity, but literally Christianity produced this this form of Americanism uh, that we have had, and we, we've definitely drifted away from that form of Americanism, no doubt. Um, but we, we have to understand which one's the cart, which one's the horse, uh, and and that's that's important to understand. And it's definitely that Christianity came first and produced the style of Americanism. Yeah, well, you know, and I know, I know that you you and Patrick on, on your guys' show, the Shining Light Podcast, like a lot of times you guys are talking about like the founding fathers and American history and how it is rooted in 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 the Christian ethic and rooted in the Bible and, and all of that. Like, you know, at, at what point really did all of that change? Be, because, you know, we always say mm -hmm. America's a Christian nation, but then we look at society today and we're like, well, we've been not really a Christian nation for, for decades, you know, for a while. And a lot of people look back to like the fifties, but it seems like this was even going, uh, going on before the fifties of, of, of the good old days kind of a thing. When did all of this change from your, from your, your perspective? Yeah. So I would say where, where this changed was the late 1800s, early 1900s, 1920s that, that range. And, and the big key factor that came up was there was a great debate within the church. And the great debate was between modernism or, or uh, yeah, modernism and fundamentalism. And basically modernism attacks the uh, sufficiency of scripture um, uh, by looking at hard sciences. So at this time, this is when Darwinism uh, became very prevalent. And so uh, as Darwinism uh, becomes prevalent and comes to the forefront, basically they start attacking scripture. Okay. God no longer uh, created the earth. It's no longer a literal, literal creation. Uh, and when they took that, they also took out the other supernatural things in Scripture. So instead of uh, Jesus Christ being born of a virgin, which we're you know about to celebrate here, uh, December twenty fifth, uh, Christmas Day is you know that's that's a great thing. They, they go and they they took that away. Uh, they said no, that didn't really happen. 
Uh, you know, this was just metaphorical. She was just a young lady. That's what it talks about. That's how we're going to interpret scripture. Um, uh, going and looking at Christ's miracles, they go and they say these weren't really miracles. Uh, they either start to try to justify them or something like that. And then the big one that they went and attacked here, uh, theologically speaking, is that they started talking about uh, the, uh, the, the sacrifice of Christ, the atonement of Christ, and it no longer being uh, for sin specifically. Uh, that he didn't die uh, to atone for sin. And that's where a lot of the social justice stuff comes from. And I know people are saying, what are you talking about? Social justice clear back in the 1920s. But yeah, it was a uh, social action before that. And it was uh, the social gospel. Uh, so social justice, social gospel, social action. Uh, you can go back. They've been really trying to push this agenda for a long time uh, through Marxists and communists coming in. Uh, clear back in the 1800s, well, yeah, 1800s, early 1900s, uh, this kind of stuff. Uh, so I think that's really when the shift took place theologically. Uh, and that's what, it might have been a generation after that that we see the fruit of it. Uh, but I would say that once we started preaching those things in the pulpit and modernism became popularized, uh, that's where you see the downfall of the Methodist and the downfall of the Lutherans, uh, or at least some of the Lutherans, and uh, in different denominations really falling into this, Presbyterians, uh, North American Baptists specifically. Uh, for a little while, the Southern Baptists, and then they were kind of pulled out through the conservative resurgence. Um, but that's that's really where you see these things uh, taking place in, in really where you see the change between a Christian nation and a push for a secular nation as they're, they're criticizing the foundation of our nation and hence why I would call it critical theory, critical race theory, uh, all these kind of things that have come in um, and we're dealing with and fighting today. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Yeah, well, now, now, how do how do we as Christians deal with the fact that that clearly uh, a, a good percentage of America is not Christian, right? So, so, mm-hmm. so then the question is, you know, if, if they're not Christian, you know, can we expect non Christians to behave? Like Christians, right? With our morality, but obviously we're see, we're seeing the downfall of our country, which is what you're writing about in, in your book. At, at what point do we do we expect morality coming from non-Christians if we're going to be turning things around in America? How how does all that work out? 
Yeah. So, so one thing that's, that's really important, I think that we need to do as Christians, uh, and it, and this is really tricky and this is really tough. We probably need to start uh, looking at the reality of the matter that we're not living in a Christian majority. We're no longer living in a Christian society. We're no longer living in uh, a, a Christian uh, populace anymore. Uh, though about 70% of the people would go and say that they're Christians uh, and, and things like that, some, some form of Christianity. Uh, the reality of it is, is that we need to start realizing that uh, we need to base it on the worldview, um, aligning with the Bible, and so actually being Christ-like, instead of somebody saying, yeah, that Jesus guy, he's a cool guy. Uh, yeah, I like that Jesus guy. You know, Instead of going and basing it on that, we need to realize that we're actually in the minority, which means that we do need to be more missions-minded. We do need to be more apologetic-minded. We do need to be going beyond our walls. Uh, it worked in the 1950s. It worked in the 1970s. Uh, in the, uh, the church model, when the church went to the market, basically— in the 80s and 90s uh, and early 2000s with the um, seeker-friendly movement, uh, it worked to stay within our walls, to be an attractive-driven church, an attractive-driven type Christianity. I, I shouldn't say it worked, but uh, you could get big numbers anyway this way uh, in, in have inflated uh, you know, salvations through super easy believism and all this kind of stuff. Um, but we have to kind of confront the reality that we're not going to have just 50 people walk in our church uh, on any given Sunday have 50 new visitors. And if we do, it's probably not for a good reason. It's probably because they're coming uh, to have their ears tickled with social justice uh, or something like that. And so we need to be confronted with the reality that we actually need to be missions driven and actually going to the world and going beyond our four walls. Um, now, with specifically with this idea, uh, can we expect the unsaved uh, to adhere to Christian morality. Uh, it, it's a kind of, but not really. So the kind of is because the unsaved do have the law of God written on their hearts, that moral law. And so they are naturally convicted, but they're only convicted if people are boldly holding up the truth uh, because eventually their consciences get seared, it get, becomes calloused. And so if we don't have people who are boldly proclaiming the truth, lifting that up, hey, this is right, this is what's wrong, uh, the problem is, is eventually they start to ignore those, the, the, their conscience and, uh, they, they get callous conscience or seared consciences and they just go and do whatever's right in their own eyes because, you know, man is sins, carnal mind is an enmity with God and all these other kinds of problems. Um, and so that's why it's important to have a strong Christian, uh, church and actually a Christian culture, even if that doesn't mean that everybody's saved. Uh, but it means that a nation will live in reality. When everybody does what's right in their own eyes, what's right in, in my eyes might not be what's right in the uh, somebody else's eyes. You know, specifically, you know, we think of like school shooters. We think of, um, you know, sadists. We think of all these people. What's right in their eyes hopefully isn't what's right in your eyes. Um, they're going to do what's right to them, and it's disconnected with reality. And the problem is, is that then society is no longer sustainable and you're on a downward trajectory. And so that's the major issue. But how we correct that is by actually going outside of our four walls in the church and confronting culture with the word of God. Yeah. Now, now, one of the things that that I'm hearing from from a lot of uh, you know Christians is you know, and, and typically it's coming out of more like the the Pietist route, which I know you and I like to rag on quite, quite often. Which which it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the things that we keep hearing is, you know, the way the way that we're going to save our culture is is just through the gospel. Forget the politics. 
forget forget the culture, forget you know f- fighting all these battles and fighting all these fights. Just go preach the gospel. Now, is is that in in all reality the right strategy, or or should we be taking a different approach? Well, I I think it depends on what people mean by that, um, because one of the big issues is you know you go look at the Great Commission and and the two uh, passages, one in in Mark and the other one in Matthew. Marcus says, you know, go preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, uh, I'll deal with that one here in just a second. But in Matthew, it tells us uh, more than that. It says to go make disciples and teach them um, everything that Christ has taught. And so as we go and we teach them everything that Christ has taught, well, that means that a disciple is a lot more than somebody who just accepts the gospel uh, or what we generally think of uh, simply as the gospel of accepting the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sin. He was buried and rose again to provide a way of salvation. Uh, but then we also go and we look at this here. Uh, Jesus died for our sin. He saves us from sin. Uh, the big issue, I think, with Christianity, and probably the biggest critique of, of neo-evangelicalism, uh, I would say, is we have believed and changed this slightly. We only teach part of the gospel. And this part of the gospel that we like to focus in on is a very important part of the gospel, and that's that Jesus Christ came to save us from the penalty of sin. Uh, and saying that we like to teach that Jesus came to save us from hell. It's true. Jesus did come to save us from hell. He did come to save us from the penalty of sin, but he also came to save us from the power of sin. And so uh, this means that once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we no longer are slaves to sin, and so we can overcome sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to go and teach that. That's sanctification. The gospel that saves is the same gospel that sanctifies. And a lot of times we've left the sanctification out of the gospel. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to trying to preach a, a gospel that says you have to do this, 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 and this and works-based salvation in order to be saved. But I'm saying here we can't disconnect part of the Bible and expect to be in obedience to God. And that's what we seem to be doing in Christianity today. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 kind of funny too because a lot of people that are like, you know, just preach the gospel. It's like, well, why don't you get off of Twitter? Why 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 don't you stop writing a blog? Because because I feel like you know they're spending all day, you know, ragging on all of us that are that are dealing with both the gospel and culture and politics and kind of dealing with everything. But they're kind of doing the same thing. They're just maybe not focused on 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 the same issues the same issues that we are. Yeah, well, in what a false false piety uh, to say. Uh, just preach the gospel. Nobody just preaches the gospel. Does that mean we're not to baptize people? Does that mean we're not to pray for people? Um, you know, I've never heard somebody say, just preach the gospel when it comes to a church fellowship uh, in a potluck. I've never heard somebody say, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. We have to just preach the gospel. Uh, you know, that that's just kind of a ridiculous thing. And if I, whenever I'm confronted with this whole idea of just, just preach the gospel, I like to ask them, well, should we love our neighbors? And of course, they're going to say, yes, well, politics means the affairs of the people. So if you're caring about the affairs of the people, I believe that's the definition of loving your neighbor. And so we should be involved in politics. They believe we should be involved in politics. They just don't want to admit it uh, because they don't want to present a biblical worldview. They don't want to be criticized. They don't want to have to tell people that they're wrong. Um, and and that's that's another big issue here. We're presenting – they're saying like preach the gospel – but don't tell people that they're wrong. Don't offend anybody. That's what they want to say. Well, there's nobody who's ever been saved ever in the history of mankind who has ever been saved without a confrontation of the cross 
And that cross offends. It's a stumbling block. It's an offense. It's not a pleasant thing. It had to tell us that I had to tell me I couldn't save myself. I couldn't get to heaven on my own merit. I had to trust in Jesus Christ as my savior and put it all on him. That's what the cross confronts me with. And that's what they're not wanting us to do while they're saying, just go preach the gospel. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that, that's the, that's the important, you know, distinction there too is like, is like, I think a lot of times we think preaching the gospel, it's the, it's, it's almost like it's this abstract thing that, that we just do, but I don't see anybody actually doing it. And, you know, and, and part of it is that we're all just hiding in our own little churches and our own little bubbles and we never interact with the lost. We never interact with non-Christians. And again, when Jesus tells us we're supposed to be shining light into darkness, hence the name of your guys' show, like the only way to do that you have to you have to go into darkness and shine light into it. It does no good to shine light into lightness. It just it right. does it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is too, of course, in John three, when it talks about uh, about this this light light shining into darkness, it's that uh, the darkness didn't comprehend it, and the, and the darkness hated the light. Right. Um, that's that's one thing. And the problem is is that we we become people who fear man much more than we fear God, and as we fear man more than we fear God. Uh, we become afraid of being rejected or hated. Well, if we're doing, I mean, they, they hated Jesus so much that they hung him on a cross. Okay. Uh, and, and so why do we think that they would love us and, and like us and, and things like that? Uh, but that's what they want. They want to have, uh, pats on the back from the world, uh, while saying they're preaching the gospel. Well, the world doesn't like the gospel because they love darkness. Yeah, no, that's really true. Now, 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 now with, with your book specifically, obviously you're, you're laying out the five steps. Uh, to kill a nation. And I think we've seen all five of those steps happen here in America. But mm -hmm. then the question, the follow-up question, which again is in the title of your book is how do we stop the bleeding? Be, be, yeah. Because, you know, I feel, because I feel like for, a, for a lot of people, we're looking at this and we're like, we're seeing division in the church. We're seeing division in society. We're extremely polarized. It's, you know, and I keep saying on my, on my secular show, let's talk right now. It's like, I feel like we're in, we're in this civil war going on with, within our country. Like how, how do we stop the bleeding? In, in our country and hopefully actually save America. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just go over the, the five steps really quick. Just, uh, just saying, because I think that that definitely helps understand uh, the answer as to how we stop the bleeding. So the five steps are uh, one, um, forget God uh, to kill a nation here to, to kill a nation is forget God, uh, destroy the family, um, devalue life, take what isn't yours and hate your neighbor uh, by withholding the truth from them or, or lying to them. And, and those are, those are the steps to do that. And we can see that we've done that in our nation. We have forgotten God. We have, uh, destroyed the family, um, almost completely. Uh, and we've idolized a, a false sense of, of what the family is. We've devalued life. We've murdered over 65 million children. Um, it's, it's just an incredible thing that we've done in this incredibly sad. Uh, we, we starting to take what is in ours. 70% of millennials, uh, would vote for socialism. We, we see um, this coming all the time and it being pushed more and more, this idea of socialism. Uh, if Joe Biden does become president, I fully expect us to be a, so, a functionally socialist country by the end of uh, 2024. Um, and that's systemic theft as we're redistributing wealth. And that means that you don't believe in private property because you're taking from one person, giving to somebody else, and that's taking what isn't yours. Um the fifth thing there is is really situation ethics, but it's hating your neighbor uh, by not telling them the truth. Um, but how we return or stop the bleeding 
is by returning to God's law because God's law is uh, is antithetically opposed to these five things. Um, obviously, in the first four commandments uh, of the Ten Commandments, we see it raises up God in a high position and says, look, we have to have a, uh, a, a, a one God, one standard of, of ethics, one standard of morality that we generally unify around as a nation and that we generally recognize. Uh, it goes out there and it tells us the importance of the family when it says, uh, children, honor your father and mother, and it says, do not commit adultery. And so we have to go and, and point that out. And I mean, this is something that's that's very difficult. We actually have to stand up and speak out against things that have become cultural norms. Uh, every TV show you you watch, not only does it have somebody that, that's homosexual on there, but it almost always promotes premarital sex. It almost always promotes uh, uh, d- divorce. It almost always promotes um, a dysfunctional, uh, non-biblical defined family, and we have to speak out against that. And that means people who have, who have committed uh, these sins and they have already uh, broken these laws, they have to actually step up, do something that's difficult, take responsibility and proclaim to the next generation and say, look, I was wrong. Don't do what I did. This is what's right. This is what God's word says. Don't follow in my footsteps. We have to have people step up and take responsibility uh, for these things. Obviously, uh, devaluing life, this is something that's that's absolutely vital and important. Um, in fact, I don't think our nation can actually recover. I don't think we can stop the bleeding, no pun intended here, without uh, stopping the shedding of innocent blood. We have to abolish abortion. And that means we have to have people who, who step up and do uncomfortable things. We have to have guys like Ken Peters who are out there doing church at Planned Parenthood. Um, we, ha- we have to have people who are out there uh, at Planned Parenthood. We have to have people who are going and confronting our legislators and saying, look, you ran as Republicans. I mean, we, we've got a, a Republican legislature, uh, House and, and Senate in Iowa, and a Republican governor. They all say they're pro-life, and in reality, they're doing nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing here. They wouldn't stand up to a county judge, and we really have to put pressure on them as people, and that might include voting out Republicans uh, and saying, look, we're going to vote third party uh, and just write in something and if it takes two years of a Democrat-controlled House to get you guys to actually do what you say you're going to do, well, we, we can we can weather that storm because, what, uh, they're going to make abortion more legal? How, how has that happened? It's already legal. Uh, you can't make it more legal. It's already there. And so uh, we have to go and, and really uh, hold the Republican Party accountable uh, to what they say they believe uh, with that. Uh, the, the other one here is we have to fight socialism. And how you fight socialism, I think, is by making the moral argument, not just the functional argument. We need the functional argument, too. But the moral argument, you own something. Teach the doctrine of private property. Uh, teach this to your children. Teach this uh, to your friends. Say, hey, uh, you, you know, do you want me to take that from you? What's yours? No. Why? Because it's yours. And that would be morally wrong because you have ownership of that. And so, therefore, you should steward that well. And I shouldn't take it from you, and we need to stand up and and really teach the morality of that also. And of course, we need to uh, root our ethics in something objective, uh, specifically God's word. That's what we need to, uh, the moral law of God, which are are generally things that we can agree upon. Uh, Even conservative secularists uh, can agree on that uh, because it's what's functional and actually works in reality. Yeah. Now, now, you know, one of the things I've been hearing from, from, you know, even, even people that some that are conservatives, even dealing with like the pro-life movement and things like that is, is that the argument will be made that, 
um, that we don't necessarily need to pass the legislation, but if, if we were preaching the gospel and if we, if we changed our culture, that, um, that we, that that could be how we end abortion. Do you, do you find merit in that or do we have to go for the legislative side too? Um, I, you know, you know, I think it's, I think it would be good to go by the legislative side, but I mean, we can't just ignore Roe versus Wade. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, that's something that's, that's pretty important too. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I, and I feel like it's, it's one of those things too, that, you know, like abortion has become so rampant and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and again, it's, it's a major stain on, on our society and, and on our country. I mean, it's, it's killing more people than vir- virtually any other genocide that, that, that we've seen uh, in, in the world. And that, that's, that's really the scary thing is that it, it's gotten to a point, I think, to where, because it's, it's seen as like a faceless crime. Like it's not like it sucks. Like we, we wish it didn't happen, but if, because, because it's like sight unseen, we justify it. It, 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 it takes the personality away from it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that that's something that I think that, you know, got, you know, guys like pastor Kim Peters is doing a great job of, of really, you know, bringing a voice to, to these innocent lives that are getting destroyed. Right. It, 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 and I think you point out something really important there. Basically that we live in an abortion culture, that it's a, a victimless crime. There's no face to that victim. And this is why people go crazy. If you put up uh, pictures of an actual aborted uh, baby body, um, people just lose their minds over this. And it's something that, I, I mean, I'm not super comfortable looking at, at aborted babies' bodies either. I mean, it's something that, that churns your stomach, and it should, though. Uh, it's, it's something that's just, oh, man, that is, that is tough to look at. It's, it's difficult. It's, it, it hurts. Um, but the thing is, is that if we actually care about our, our preborn neighbor, our unborn neighbor, I, I think we have to take some pain, and we have to dish some pain, because, I mean, um, they're murdering people. And so we have to give a face and a voice to the unborn. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's like one of those things, like I remember, I remember, I remember my wife when, when she was in college, she took a class on like the Holocaust and, you know, mm-hmm. and they, had, they actually had to watch actual footage and, and photos of, of the, the, the horrific things that were going on. But, but the, the whole point of that thing was to make it real. And, and mm-hmm. I think that because, because like a lot of people, they, they hear millions of Jews died in, in the Holocaust. I think at a certain point we hear that a lot of times. But it doesn't actually register because again, it's, it's, it's faceless. It's nameless. It's, it's just, it's a statistic. It's a number. And I think when you actually tie it to like, I see it, 
I think that 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 really brings reality to it. And the same thing with the with the abortion discussion. It's like when you actually see the result of it, it's not just we're ending a a pregnancy. It's it's literally killing. It's literally murdering. Mm -hmm. But you you have to be able to put that that face and the reality to it that I think a lot of people are missing. Right. And uh, I think it was Stalin who uh, I'm going to paraphrase him. He said something to the effect of uh, one death is a tragedy, but a million is, is just a statistic. Um, one thing I would encourage every Christian to do is to go and uh, go to a Planned Parenthood while they're open. Uh, just go out there and pray. It's not that intimidating to go out there and stand outside of a Planned Parenthood and pray. Um, but you will start, you, you will see the people who are actually going in. I mean, it's absolutely sickening when you see, uh, fathers dropping daughters off at Planned Parenthood. It's sickening when you see boyfriends dropping uh, girlfriends off, when you see mothers dropping daughters off, when you see uh, a group of friends uh, of, of young ladies coming up uh, there and you actually have to stop and think about um, – and I understand Planned Parenthood does some other things than just uh, abortion. Uh, mostly they do abortions though. Um, but you have to go out there and look at this and say, are they going in there to, to kill their baby? Did that dad – just have his grandson murdered? Is that father going and having his son murdered right now? And it really puts a face to it and it really goes and it breaks your heart uh, when you actually get out there and you do that. Um, but but the, the biggest thing that Satan has won in pietism is through pietism. And it's not just this idea that you're out of politics uh, per se, but it's that we, we just, it's just our four walls. I mean, uh, you know, where are the street preachers? Uh, you know, where, where are we going out and actually confronting, um, uh, you know, confronting wickedness? Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, I, I didn't know until I started, uh, rooting out pietism in my own life until I repented of pietism and, and really started going out and confronting wickedness that, man, we, in the Cedar Valley where I'm in, we've got a huge pagan population. Uh, we've got a, a very active homosexual uh, segment uh, of, of people. Um, you know, we've got uh, all the this wickedness that's going on that you would kind of just look past, uh, look past or not even realize it until you spark, start going out to the public square and, and to start speaking. I mean, uh, I, I was criticized um, before COVID uh, for for doing uh, live streams of, of of our sermons. You know, I had people criticizing that. Uh, and I know that that sounds kind of funny a little bit, but, uh, when you're a small church going out there and, and doing a live stream, some people, uh, go, well, why, why would you, why would you do that kind of a thing? That's, that's different. That's change or something like that. You know, now that COVID hit, everybody does live streams. So I, I no longer get criticized for, uh, for doing that. Uh, then I got, you know, when COVID hit, got criticized for having church in person. So that was pretty revolutionary. You know, it, I've only been doing that for 2000 years. It's like you as a pastor can't win. Right. Exactly. I mean, always going against the stream, it feels like, just by uh, simply obeying God's commands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, and, 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 I, and I think, too, I, I think we re- we have to, number one, the key is to realize what's going on. Because, because I think because I think that, that that to me, I think, is one of the biggest reasons why we have a big movement within the Christian within Christianity and the evangelical side of things of you know, justifying voting for a Democrat or, or embracing a lot of these lefty ideals and things like that is like when you think about it, we're being inundated 
with this anti-God rhetoric and belief system left and right in the mainstream media, in film, in television shows, in music, you know, and, and you know, one of the things that, you know, during one of my morning rants on, on my podcast, you know, I, I was talking about, you know, the problem with like movies is specifically is for two hours, the way that they work is they make you assume something is true that maybe is not in order for mm-hmm. the movie to make sense. It's a form of like brainwashing and propaganda. And the more that they can get you to do that, the more that your mind begins to change, you, you know, it, it, you know, and I use, again, I'm a, I'm a Disney fan. I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there, but I, but I was talking about the, the movie frozen too. And it, most people think when you watch this movie, that you're watching a movie about a Norwegian princess looking for her lost parents. When in reality, it's actually an indictment on the United States of America for taking the land from the Native Americans and the need to give it back to them. But that's only in the subplot. And you have to believe that for two hours at your, as you're watching this movie in order for the movie to make sense. We got to understand the, the culture around us. It's, it's crazy when you start diving into this kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen Frozen 2, so I can't, I can't speak to that uh, directly. Uh, I still haven't seen Frozen 1, but um, I, when you're in Iowa, you're just always frozen. So I figure, why watch it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, watch and, a movie about what, what you've got going on right now. Right, exactly. Uh, but uh, you're exactly right. The the problem is is that um, the, there are so many small, uh, subtle things that are being presented. A good friend of both of ours is Dr. Mike Spaulding, and in his book, uh, Random Thoughts uh, of a Disciple, uh, he really breaks this down in entertainment. By going and showing, talking about the Beverly Hillbillies and how they got canceled while they were basically on top uh, and everything like that. And you go and you look at the Beverly Hillbillies, it's not that they're, you know, a uh, a Christian show in the sense of like fireproof or um, uh, facing the giants or something like that. They're not overtly Christian, but they were simply moral. They weren't bringing in immorality. They weren't pushing an agenda. Uh, and And that's the problem is that there was a shift. Uh, in our entertainment that came to to go and to push an agenda, we see that agenda working. The difference between America, the biggest difference between America and Nazi Germany, uh, is simply this: we pay for our propaganda in a, called a cable bill. That's that's what we do. Yeah, and, and again, it, that that's the scary thing is that people don't even realize it, but but they're literally like funding their own brainwashing. It's it's it, it's it's kind of like the ultimate crime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's one of those things of uh, Satan is an incredible deceiver. Uh, we go and we look at that, and, and through their own amusement or not thinking, uh, they're actually having their their brain reprogrammed. Uh, and you know, I think that's one of the things why God's word puts such a huge emphasis on renewing your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, come back to God's word, get back in God's word, meditate on Scripture, think on Scripture. By the way, when I say meditate on Scripture, I need to put this disclaimer: I'm talking about. Uh, a, a biblical view of meditation, not an, uh, an Eastern mystic type of meditation. Eastern mystic meditation is emptying your mind. Biblical meditation is filling your mind with scripture. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is key to make that distinction because because a lot of people don't. It's like they don't understand that there is a difference. Now, now, really, really quick, I wanted to shift the, shift the attention a little bit to where we are right now today as a country because you know we're dealing we're dealing with this election, and a lot of people are saying it's do or die time for our country in the sense of we're either going full on progressive globalist socialist marxist communist or we're go- or we're preserving at least some semblance of american society of of freedom and liberty and opportunity and hopefully some form of a christian nation um but but in all reality are are we literally at the point of of do or die or are we already are we already past that point 
So, I, you know, I think as long as we're here um, and as long as there's a, a spark of uh, biblical liber- liberty, um, I think that there's always hope. Uh, and, and that's something that our founding fathers held to is that uh, as long as there's a spark, there's always hope. And so I don't believe that we're beyond hope. Maybe maybe it's because I'm young that I believe that. I talked to some older people who uh, are, are good, solid patriots, but think that, you know, we're, we're done and over with. Uh, but I believe that there is still hope. But the key is, is that it's it's do or die. But even if we do, we still may die uh, because the problem is, is that really the uh, the battlefront seems to be drawn uh, fairly cut and dry with um, Republicans minus the deep state Republicans uh, versus Democrats. And the issue is, is that uh, Republicans, uh, even if we win, even if we go and we fight and we win, uh, and, and it might literally be fighting, uh, by the way, uh, and in winning in that sense. The issue is, is that if Republicans can't get rooted in God's law, just what we're talking about, these five steps to kill a nation, um, they're just, we're just going to go on the same trajectory. And I, I think the greatest distinction to go and to look at to see this throughout history was right about the same time as the American Revolution. Uh, shortly after that, you had the French Revolution. Well, the American Revolution won, the French Revolution did not win, but you had some of the key players the same, like Thomas Paine was there uh, in the French Revolution, at least at the beginning of it. Well, what was the, the big difference? Well, America's revolution was rooted in uh, in God's law, in Christianity, of saying, look, these are the things that we're going to base our republic around. Our liberty is going to be rooted in law, thy liberty in law, uh, as as the songwriter puts it. And so that's one thing that is absolutely necessary and vital for us to go and to realize is that even if we go and we fight for liberty, if we just fight for liberty for liberty's sake, well, the problem is, is that we're going to end up in a French revolution and that ends up with uh, guillotines and tyranny. Um, And so we must root or anchor our liberty in God's word. Otherwise, we're, you know, just going to be making a big circle where maybe we have a reprieve of, hey, we didn't lose to the Marxists, but instead we lost to our own immorality. And the Marxists still, who are always there, uh, came back up and they took power with some charismatic leader who came in and took us over. Um, and so that's the important thing is that it, it is do or die time. But even if we do, we still may die if we don't do it right. Yeah, it, 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 that, that's a very key to- very, very key distinction. So, so what, what I want to do is, I, is I want, is I want to make it, make, you know, make the end of, make the end of this show a, a practical one. So, so besides the fact of they, they can pre-order your book, Five Steps to Kill a Nation, uh, and how to stop the bleeding, which I'll, I'll put, I'll put in the link, uh, for, for the show notes and, and all that kind of stuff. And you guys, can, you know, practically speaking, can also use Sam's code, Sam at checkout. You guys get 10% off. Fair. You know, just throwing that out there. No you, pressure. You just, Jeff too and get 10% off it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we could, yeah, I mean, we, we could figure that one out. I mean, e- either one, a code is a code. Okay. But, yeah. you know, there's also church and state. There's also social injustice. There's, you know, we got multiple different resources there in, in the store. It's, it's, it's right there. But on a practical level, what is it that we should all be doing in order to try to stop the bleeding? Cause I, I think it's easy to mm-hmm. say Trump's, Trump could stop the bleeding on the political side. These pastors could stop the bleeding by beginning to preach the gospel. But what am I supposed to do? My, just an everyday Christian American guy that's like, I see the, I see the five steps. I see how our country is being destroyed. What, what can I do? Buy two books. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, go ahead. Actually buy two books. That's fine. Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing is to really start living it. 
And so uh, if, if you are a, a father and a mother, it really starts uh, right there with you guys. You need to train up your children right. Uh, if you're a grandparent, invest in your grandchildren. And what are you investing? Uh, you're, you're not investing five steps to nation. You're not investing social injustice or church and state. What you're investing is the word of God. Make sure you're, you're putting in the word of God. The other thing I would really, really hammer on is that we have to get out of our pietism shell. And so uh, whether that means going and uh, actually going to your state legislature and uh you know, talking to your representative, um, you know, you can always, as a Christian, go up there, pray with them, share the gospel with them, but then also share biblical values with them. Tell them why you're pro-life, why you're uh, you're against socialism or wealth redistribution, um, why you're you're for this thing or that thing. Go and actually do that, and, and there will be an opportunity to share the gospel too. Um, but actually get out of your shell. And one thing I would encourage every Christian to do, this is practical, go to a Planned Parenthood while they're open and pray. Pray outside there. See as people drive up while they're open. You're going to see them. It's going to put an actual uh, face to the murder. And I believe that's going to change your heart uh, to really go out there and stand for life. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So um, so yeah, so if, if you guys... Uh, w- would like to pre-order uh, Five Steps to Kill a Nation. You guys can do that at gatekeepersonline.com slash store. Again, use use code SAM at checkout. You'll get 10% off. I uh, highly encourage you guys to do that. Again, you know me, you know, I've already read through it a few times dealing with editing and, and layout and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it's a great read. The Ford's by Dr. Mike Spaulding, gr- a great Ford. Dr. Mike is, is always awesome. A good friend to everybody, mm-hmm. you know, here with the gatekeepers. But, but Sam, I really appreciate you joining me. Really, really appreciate you coming on, but also I really appreciate you taking, taking the time to, ri- to write this book. It's, it's really, really important. Yeah. Well, thank you for allowing me to come on. And I, I really appreciate that. Really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to, to share with what's in the contents of the book and thank you for editing it uh, and, uh, and and doing the layout and stuff like that, do, being the publisher, uh, because I, I really think that the message is something that uh, could really help turn our nation to the right. It's a simple book. Uh, you're not going to get too complex with me. I like to keep things uh, simple. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Uh, and in that way, it can actually be practical and we can understand what went wrong and that way we can fix it and going the right yeah no absolutely so uh and, and everybody make sure make sure you follow uh you follow sam on on twitter on twitter you're more on facebook though right more facebook than twitter or parlor yeah i, I mean where, it, where, where, where where do you want people following you yeah uh i mean you can follow me on facebook on parlor on uh uh twitter um i, I think i've got a mewe too i've definitely don't check that though so d- don't follow me there um Facebook, uh, I, I've got a pretty open account. You can either follow me or I'll probably accept your friend request. Uh, Sam Jones, Hudson, Iowa. Uh, that will be the easiest way to find me because there's a few Sam Joneses out there. Uh, Pastor Sam uh, at Parlor and uh, I think it's Pastor Sam Jones 217 at Twitter. Um, Facebook is where you're going to see the most stuff. Uh, and the Shining Light Ministries is where uh, Shining Light Minister, the Shining Light Ministries.com is where you're going to see. Uh, my articles and uh, the Shining Light podcast, of course. Yeah, definitely. So definitely everybody check that out. Um, but yeah, Sam, again, as always, I always have a blast talking to you and, and just picking, picking your brain. I feel like I'm always learning something new too. So I, re- I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. And uh, we got to get your intro a little bit updated so it can reflect your new hair, hairdo. I, I, it, it, that, that, it, that is true. And 
I, I 100%, I, I'm just saying this, I 100% blame our communist dictator, Gavin Newsom, for this. Because about a week and a half ago, I was going to go get a haircut. And then we went back into lockdown with curfew and, and everything got shut down. So this haircut, it's crazy long. I blame Gavin Newsom. So recall Gavin Newsom. I, I believe it's recallgavin2020.com. Go sign the petition if, if you're in California. I highly encourage you. I want a haircut. Make it happen. Get rid of Gavin Newsom. So I'm just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> so again, Sam, thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Everybody else as well. Make sure make sure that you are uh that you're following us at gatekeepersonline.com. Check out all of our resources. Uh, you know, check out our store. We get got a bunch of books and resources there as well. You can also check out uh, Sam's ebook we got over there. Um, why I'm pro life. I highly I highly encourage you guys to check that out as well. Uh, but you know, subscribe on uh on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're gonna be starting to um make the transition over to Rumble as well for all of our videos. Uh, so definitely check that out. So we're we're we got some changes coming. Got some fun new things coming up for 2021. But definitely definitely. Pre-order Five Steps to Kill a Nation, How to Stop the Bleeding at gatekeepersonline.com slash store. Again, use Sam at checkout. You get 10% off. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We shall catch you guys next time. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC.